Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode eight. I'm going to lose track at some point. Two months. Yeah, two months of, of, of podcasts. I like it. Consistency. We're going to continue to do these. We've been having a lot of fun. We're going to continue to do it, and hopefully our listenership, if that's such a word, our, our viewers, our listeners, continue to uh, increase over time. I think we're going to have some, we have a, a few things up our sleeve to help with that. But anyway, episode eight, uh, it's the week of March 21st. I think, yep. And lot on tap for today, and we're going to start with what went down uh, yesterday, a uh, Monday, the trade deadline in the NHL, and no, nobody better th- to talk about it than our resident Penguin and NHL expert Tommy. Uh, Tom, your thoughts on the Penguins acquiring the guy you talked about the, in the past three podcasts, Ricard Raquel. Yeah, I thought he was the most likely candidate to get. I thought he checked a lot of boxes for what they need. My old pal Dominic Simone got traded. <laughs> oh, that's sad. Yeah, I, drove I know him. you shed some tears yesterday. Yeah, I was going to text you. But. I drove him to the airport. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, yeah, I thought he was the most reasonable asset-driven guy that they could possibly get. He makes a reasonable contract. They were cap-strapped. Um, they made the deal the reason that Reese and Simone were gone because they had to do literally dollar for dollar, and that's what they it almost worked out to be. Was with right, when they, I think yeah, yeah, they picked up some of his yeah. salary. Yep. Um, so I, I think he fits in perfect for what they need. I think that when everybody's healthy, it creates some healthy competition in the forward group. Mm-hmm. Um, ideally, I would have liked to see him get a defenseman of some kind just to get in there, not the guy that they got. <laughs> in the, I mean, I mean, he's I an guess, eighth defenseman. He's depth. Yeah, I, mean, I guess somebody has to be it. But analytics wise, he's the worst, worst defenseman in the NHL this year. So I mean, <laughs> I mean, I guess somebody's got to be last, and he is. He is. You know, yeah. but you know what they say: the guy who finished last in, doc- in, 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 in doctor school is guess what they call him? <laughs> a doctor. Doctor. Exactly. Yeah. He's yeah. the worst of the best. Yeah. It's not. It's not doctor school. Can you help me? You're you med you, school. Yeah, you were the principal yes. of our, or you were yeah. the president of yeah, our right, high yeah. school class. So. Med school. Med, yes. Thank you. That's mm-hmm. what I. That's all right. I knew what you were talking about. It's all good. So now I think the big question will be is what we do uh, going forward. What are the lines going to look like when everybody's healthy? So what do you think? What do you think the line's going to look like? Well, I think we know Russ goes back up top, as he should. I think um, Heinen stays with Malkin, and you put Raquel on that line, and that's a great second line. Now, remember, I'm saying when everybody's healthy. So this includes includes Zucker Zucker. and McGinn. Okay. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm with you. And there's a reason. I don't want Zucker on that second line. I think Zucker goes to the third line with Carter and Rodriguez. That's if Erod can play his game, right? But I, I think that's your third line, and your fourth line is my man. I love Teddy Bluger. I love Teddy Bluger. And you put McGinn with him and Brian Boyle, and, and you have fair, four very good, solid lines up and down the line. So that's what I vote for. I think Heinen and Malk, Heinen plays well with Malkin. He does the things that you need with Malkin. He's sound defensively because we know Raquel and, and Malkin – well, Malkin, when he wants to, he reminds you of 66. When Malkin wants to play defense, he can. But you have that responsible guy on their line, and then Zucker slides down to the third line with, with Carter and, uh, and Erod. What do you think? I think that there's going to be a lot of competition, and I mm-hmm. think there's going to be a lot of moving parts. And one thing I'd like to say, too, is you know a couple weeks ago, I really bashed Sullivan because – very, and rightfully so at that time. I was very, I'm sorry. I was very so. frustrated in the fact that we just wrote everything in pen as far right. as the 12 guys and six. That was the same line, same D pair, copy and paste every game. And since then, and that night, that game that night, yeah, he made he the started changes. started moving things. And over right. the last couple of weeks, you have seen a lot of that. And I yep. think that was needed. And I think they responded. I think they've yep. played better since then. So what I think you start with what you know. 
the top line is going to be the top line. Crosby, Gensel, and Rust is going to yep. be the top line. I'm not convinced that I would do that, but I'm looking at this more from how I think they're going okay. to do it as opposed to what I think. Yeah. So I think you write that in pencil, or you write that in pen, and the centers you write in pen. Malkin, Carter, Gensel is going to be your centers uh, down the middle. Bluger, Bluger, or Bluger. I'm sorry, yep. Bluger. So those are your those are your four centers and the top two wings. Mm-hmm. I think what they're going to do is, and I think what they should do is, is I think uh, Raquel is going to play the left wing yep. on the second line. Okay. Now it's a very important if you're listening to this. I listened to a lot of Pittsburgh radio today. Call him a right winger. He is not. He is a left winger by trade. He can play the right wing, but yeah, he's, he plays the left and he, he shoots right. Right, which so, is odd. That doesn't that is, always right. happen. But he's but comfortable. He's, he's played his whole career in the left mm-hmm. wing. There's no reason to bring him in here right. to a new team. Like they did sides. with the Ginla, which yes. was infuriating. Yes, they should. He should needs to stay on the left wing. So hopefully that's what they do. And I would play Kapanen on the second wing on the right side. And the reason, and I would give him until. One of either McGinn or Zucker comes back mm-hmm. to see if he can recapture. Now, this time he's up here playing with Malkin. He's the third option, not the second option behind Malkin. Malkin's playing better. He's played, taking his game to a different level. He started playing physical. He's skating a little mm-hmm. bit better. I see Captain in here. You're here until McGinn and Zucker come back. Either You're either going to play or you're out. Right. But let's assume for now that I think Captain's on. I would put Captain on that wing to start off with. My third line, again, with everybody healthy, it would be Zucker on the left wing, yep. Cap, or Carter at center, and Erod on, on the, the right, right side. Okay. Mm-hmm. My fourth line would be Dan Heinen on the left okay. side, mm-hmm. Luger at center, and McGinn on the right wing, and Boyle would be my 13th guy. Um, the only thing that comes into that mm-hmm. now is, is that you have to look at it from a penalty kill situation. Right. So you lost Zach Aston Reese, and everybody will rip Zach Aston Reese because the only he was a great penalty goals. killer, great penalty. But he killer. was a good defensive player. Yep. Period. He's a good yep. penalty killer. He he played well with mm-hmm. with Bluger. So you need somebody. So you got to you got to count the penalty killers. Mm-hmm. So you really need five, sometimes six penalty killers in that lineup. So you still got and again with everybody healthy, you still got Bluger and McGinn. Mm-hmm. You've got Carter and, and Rodriguez. Yep. Rust has been killing penalties. Mm-hmm. So that's five. Heinen doesn't kill penalties. Mm-hmm. Zucker doesn't kill penalties. Kapanen certainly doesn't Kapanen kill penalties. doesn't kill penalties. So you may be leaving yourself a little short by taking Boyle out. So that's mm-hmm. what I think is going to happen. Is I think you give Kapanen a shot now, and he has to earn a spot. And I think really the extra forward for the Penguins very well could come down to Erod or Kapanen. Because I could see them playing Boyle mm-hmm. for the size, right. mm-hmm. for the physicality, and also for the penalty kill. And then Erod and Kapanen, to me, are pretty much similar style of players. Erod can do – he can play center. He's a little bit more versatile than Kapanen. If somebody would get hurt in-game, you yep. know, Erod could slide over. But I tell Kapanen, you have until McGinn comes back, who mm-hmm. I think is – yeah, I don't know that. One of them two are going to be back. Right. Yeah. Whenever one of them two come back, you have to earn your spot. Right. And if you don't, you'll be, be looking at the press box. Well, and, and, and I would look – because you still have Zahorna. Big Z, and you have Drew O'Connor, and people. He Drew O'Connor played phenomenal when he was up and before the injury. I don't understand what's going on with O'Connor. Now he was hurt. Mm-hmm. He had a collapsed lung, which is obviously a big deal. Uh, yeah, I mean, but he's playing. He seems he's to playing be playing well. well. Um, after the trade deadline, they called Zahorna back up, so he looks like he's going to be the extra forward going into tonight. I assume um, tonight he'll be a scratch mm-hmm. um, because I'm assuming that Raquel will trade in and Zahorna will come out. Um, but they also have to replace Simone and uh, and, and right, Zach and that was addition too. by subtraction. But I, I've always been a big Zar fan. But 
I'm sorry. I mean, you need some production. And, no, and so you can't have. It's like we said, they're stale. Yeah, they you can't stale. have no, no matter how much analytics say that right. Zach Gasteris and Simone are. The the, the the scoreboard doesn't have an analytic chart. Right. It has a goal chart, and you just can't have a bunch of guys that you just know when the game starts are not going to score goals. You mm-hmm. just can't have that. And you know, I everybody will. I've gotten poked a little bit about saying Simone could go to the first line a couple, mm-hmm. you know, a few a few weeks ago, but again. That wasn't that I thought it was the right thing to do. That was what I thought they needed yeah. to do because it was the solid Sorry. same 12 guys. Yeah. And the guys that they were doing just wasn't working. And they did wind up taking mm-hmm. rust off of uh, that top line. I, I just need to point out real quick, because we don't have cameras yet in here. I just, you know, we're talking Penguins. Huge day, right? I haven't My, heard Michael, a word you guys said. Yeah, Michael hasn't heard a word Not we said. And he's over here doing like boom. a checkerboard yeah. Yeah, on his, on his uh, notebook. Anyway, yeah. We'll get to you in a little bit here, Thanks. Mike. We'll get basketball. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to create a healthy competition, and that's good. This team yep. needs that little, you know, Crosby's and Malkins and things like that, getting some new blood in the mm-hmm. locker room, getting a new face, maybe getting a little a little bump off that. They got the Carter bump last mm-hmm. year, I thought. They played better when the new guy came in. I think that uh, I think he's going to fit in well. Um, and then defensive-wise, I mean, you're going to have the six defensemen. I like Matheson and Marino better. Um, I think uh, – mm-hmm. Marino's played a little bit better with Matheson. So, I, you know, Pedersen is going to be the wild card, what he brings to the table. But now they've got Friedman. Uh, and they an, just gave him a two-year extension, so he's going to play. As an extra guy that can swing back mm-hmm. and forth. And then, you know, the guy that they got, um, Baylor mm-hmm. from Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. I, I My guess is he stays on long-term IR right. until the playoffs. He mm-hmm. comes off when there's no cap, and uh, he'll just be an extra guy. Yeah, you know, I if they agree. start getting banged around back there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he is a – the one thing he does bring, he is physical. Mm-hmm. He actually fought Brian Boyle yeah. early in the he year. He stepped in, up in for the game. Yeah, yeah. Until, and uh, so I think yeah. that if you, if they get into a series where they need some physicality, I think you might see him then. So, so let's talk about because I always love playing this game. If you look back at Ray Shiro's first two trade deadlines, GMJR and Ron Hextall. Let's do a little compare and contrast, if you don't mind. Okay, so well, I will. I, I don't know if you. So Ray Shiro, his first two trade deadlines, he nailed it because he, he he picked up one of my favorite Penguins of all time and a guy who changed the whole culture of the Penguins. You know, I'm talking about Gary Roberts. Yep. And but that act was that that totally changed everything in that locker room. Then you move Jr. Ian Cole, Lovejoy. Trevor Daly in his first two trade deadlines. I think he nailed it. And then you look at Hextall, Jeff Carter, and now Raquel. I think these guys, their first two years, I mean, you look at it, I think all three of them had a a ton of success and hit on exactly what they needed to do. My favorite Gary Roberts story is I was at, you know, I was a season ticket holder at the time, and I think it was their first playoff game, Mm -hmm. and they they played Ottawa. Mm -hmm. It was definitely Ottawa that they played. And mm-hmm. at the end of the game, there were some shenanigans. Mm-hmm. Ottawa was trying mm-hmm. to start. And I just remember Gary Roberts wanting to fight everybody on the ice, everybody on the bench. And that just wasn't the style of play mm-hmm. that the Penguins were. And Gary Roberts could still play. He wasn't the right. hockey player that he was. But then I remember the refs taking him off the ice, and he stood in the hallway, and he waved over every Ottawa senator that was on the ice and just wanted to fight them all. And you could just – you could just see that it was a young team, right. and this was a guy that you know that just knew. He showed them the way. Just didn't know yep. how to do it. Yep. Um, but what's crazy is when you look at those three. I mean, you couldn't pick three more different styles of GMs. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hextall is very 
you know, pragmatic, very, you know, takes Close his time. to the vast reserve. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you know, you even heard, you know, the rumors and stuff that would come out through, you know, through the last two years that Hextall's been a GM. I mean, guys will frequently tell you on the radio, they'll say, listen, no, nobody knows what he's doing. He doesn't tell us anything. This is more speculation from other teams. Then you had General, you know, GR, GMJR. I mean, he was okay. like a hockey fantasy owner. I mean, he was just trading people, cutting people. He would tell the guy yep. cutting his hair, you know, that he was getting ready to trade Crosby <laughs> if he was getting ready to do it. I mean, there was no secrets with him. And then Shiro was a lifer. I mean, he was right. his dad was a G, was a mm-hmm. general manager of the Flyers. He came in and he was a little bit of both. He was pragmatic, but he was also willing to make the big swing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think all of them had their pros and cons in the first year. And I was down, very, very down on Hextall um, at 3 o'clock yesterday because I was I, – I thought this team – I think this is most likely the Penguins' last best chance yep. of this unless something dramatic happens in the offseason and they resign everybody. And I think this team has earned the right to get something like this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was disappointed at 3 o'clock, but at 3.01, here. Yep. things got a lot same better. Th- yep, same uh, here. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I, I, give Hextall a, I give Hextall a B for both of his mm-hmm. trade deadlines. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think that uh, I, I think we'll see. But I, I, they're in a better shape today than yeah. they were yesterday. I agree with you wholeheartedly, Tommy. I give him a B. And the only reason why I give him a B is because, this, like you said, I, this is it. I think this year is it. They're not going to sign all three, Rust, Malkin, Latang. They're not. It'll be a miracle if they can bring two of the three back. So this is their last best chance. So you have to go all in. Ricard, Raquel, great. But they still have that first-round pick. And I know how people feel. You need to build up future assets. I get that. But this is it. Yeah. yeah. And, they, and that I, was still out. I would have liked to have seen. What could they get for the first-round pick? Another defense, like you said, a tough blue-line defenseman. Um, that could have really helped them. Yeah, I mean, no, no offense to whoever the fifty eighth pick right. with the second round is. Yeah, but by the time he's ready to be NHL ready, yeah, this team is you know yeah. is not going to be you know he's not going to make an impact on what they're trying to do. This is when you have a window, maybe the last window for the, your for your the guys that have are franchise icons all together who are all again knock on wood healthy, healthy. playing well. You have to give this team every opportunity right. to go win the cup, and I think they did that. Now, you guys have been talking about this for, what, seven, eight weeks mm-hmm. now? You know, trade deadline passed, right? Right. Now, I'm not a hockey guy. It just, bottom line, you, you're talking about making a deal with the mm-hmm. deadline. You're talking about moving lines around mm-hmm. and putting guys in different places. Do you think this team can win a Stanley Cup? That's the bottom line. I, I'll go first here, Tom. I think they can. I, I think, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, if Jari stays hot, if Jari continues to play at the level that we're seeing him play at right now, that's huge, right? We had the opposite Jari. Of, everybody knows the story. I don't need to rehash it. It starts there for me. It always starts there in the in NHL playoffs. If you have a, a, a solid goalie, a hot goalie, you can ride that goalie for a while. So I think Jari continues. He doesn't get overwhelmed by the bright lights come May. I think they have a great shot at it. They have depth now. You can't say it. We just talked about it with the lines. They have more than enough forwards. They have more than enough quality forwards and defensemen. They have everything they need. They have the star power. They have scores. And if Jari can play the way we've seen him play this year, I think they have a legitimate shot. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, what I hear constantly is, is that the Eastern Conference is just overwhelming right. with teams. Well, 
you don't have to beat all eight. You don't mm-hmm. have to. You, you know, you got to win three series to get to the finals. And for every round that the Penguins play and hopefully win, well, guess what? The team that they're getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, they're playing the same mm-hmm. series. They're getting their asses kicked too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yes, the Penguins might have to go through the Rangers and probably Carolina mm-hmm. to get to the Eastern Conference mm-hmm. Finals, which is going to be a battle. Mm-hmm. But whoever comes out of the other side, the Atlantic, I mean, they could look at have to play Florida, Tampa, Toronto, mm-hmm. and Boston. I mean, and, and someone's going to have to beat, you know, two mm-hmm. of those two teams to get to the right. finals. So guess what? I mean, they're not just, you know, walking to the finals. Yep. Uh, like, in the, they're both of them are going to have to battle. Mm-hmm. So when they get to the Eastern Conference Finals, if they get there, both teams are going to be in the same spot. But the difference with this year is, for the first time since, the I think, the last cup year, the Penguins are going to the playoffs with a fair fight and goal. Mm-hmm. I think the Penguins have been significantly hamstrung with their with their goaltending these last three or four playoff runs, and this year, you know, they're going to a gunfight with a gun. They're not going with a knife, <laughs> right. and I yep. think that's what they've gone last year. I mean, Jari played well, and just we all know what happened last mm-hmm. year. I mean, they lost that series because of Jari. They, period. period and the end. Yep. No argument. Well, and I and would it, equate it to, and you you mentioned it when the Penguins. Many years ago, they played Autumn. They made it back to the playoffs. The first year they were back in the playoffs, they played the Senators. They were overwhelmed by the significance of everything. I think Jari was overwhelmed last year. I think we're going to see a completely different version of Jari this year. It's going to make all the difference in the world. Yeah, and you can, by the way, he's, this isn't a fluke. This has been going on long enough that, I mean, this guy is legit. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if, I mean, could it happen? Could he go into the playoffs and, and crap the bed again? Of course it could. But I think he's proven throughout the year of several steps that he is mentally tougher than he has been in the past. He's taken the game more seriously um, from the way he plays it and things like that. So I, I don't th- I don't have any concerns about Jari. And I think that they have a legitimate fight when they go into – is he better than Shostarkin? No, against the Ranger mm-hmm. goalie that they may play. But he's it's close enough. Yeah, right. That I think that he can win that. I think they have. I think they have an advantage over Carolina in goal. I think that's how they could mm-hmm. beat Carolina. Mm-hmm. I think Jari's better than what Carolina's putting out there. And then when you get to the next round, you know the third round potentially. I mean, I, Jari evens the playing field for them. He does, and, and it's at that first point, time, I think it gets whoever's right. healthiest at that point. And it's the first time in, in four years to me. The last couple of years of Murray, last year with Jari, mm-hmm. I just don't think the goaltenders were good enough, and I think they have one this year that's good enough. So yes, I think they can get to the. I think they can get to the Stanley Cup and win it. Well, we're going to find out, and we're going to be there with you every step of the way as the Penguins march to the playoffs as they come down the home stretch, home stretch of the regular season. We'll be talking about it the rest of the way, of course. We'll see how they're playing. We'll see how Raquel slots into the lineup and how he adjusts and what the Penguins do with the lineup as we move forward. But now let's turn to the other news item of the, of the week, of the day, whatever you, want to, whatever you want to call it, March Madness. And listen, it is the best tournament around hands down every day last week i'd get home from work turn the tv on phenomenal games if we go from the nfl playoffs which were fantastic now to march madness i mean we've been really fortunate in 21 22 to be able to watch what we're watching and i gotta tell you, nothing's better than march madness yeah th- this tournament this year has been you know you you, you got surprises everywhere and, and i'll start out where let's 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 let it out of the box our picks last week. Mark and I shipped the bed. We already lost two Final Four teams. The guy that's maybe watched right. about eight minutes mm-hmm. of freaking basketball in the last eight years 
still has all four of his final four teams. That would be Tom, if anybody did Yeah, yeah, let's clarify, Tommy. Just a word of advice for everybody out there, never bet with Tommy, never go into a fantasy football league with Tommy, never do. Tom calls you for a trade, hang up. Hang hang it up. Say you got a bad connection because whoever you're getting is going down for the year and whoever you gave him is going to have a big year. Um, You know, the, the, the way it shakes out, you know, our Thursday games, we got Arkansas against Gonzaga. So we still we got three of our mm-hmm. number one seeds still left in this tournament. Arkansas scares me. If you're a Gonzaga fan, mm-hmm. this this game scares me because Arkansas is super loaded with athletes, guys that can get downhill mm-hmm. and get to the basket. Now Gonzaga obviously has the advantage inside with Timmy and uh, Chet. And Oliver. I got to tell you, speaking of that real quick, in their their last game. You want to talk about a guy taking over a game and ensuring his team does not lose? Drew Timmy. Yeah, Drew Timmy. That was an amazing second-half performance by Timmy. He came up big. Huge. He has that old man game in the Mm -hmm. post. You know, know, he has the old mustache and headband, and he looks like an old guy. (laughs) Um, He came up huge. The the key for Arkansas in this game is if they can get those two guys in foul trouble if they're aggressive, taking Mm -hmm. the ball to the basket, Arkansas has a chance. If those guys – uh, impose their will down low mm-hmm. for Gonzaga. That game, that that game could get out of hand quick. Yeah. But I think Arkansas has a has a fighting chance. Then you go to Michigan against Villanova. Who the hell would have thought Michigan would be here yeah. at this point, right? Uh, well, Tom's, Tom did. Tom, yeah, Tom's Tommy's raising his hand. Tom's, yeah, Tom's a Michigan guy. Um, he was the first one to tote the Black Sox when uh, the Fab Five were there. Um, Michigan has Hunter Dickinson inside mm-hmm. and Eli Brooks, their guard. Is playing out of this world the first two games of, of this of this tournament, and then you look at Villanova; they're not sexy. There's nothing sexy. About always a well coached team. I, always I, execute their plan. Jay Wright is just one of the best coaches in America. You know they got Colin Gillespie, mm-hmm. who's a fifth year senior. He loves the big shot. He reminds me of Levance Fields. Mm-hmm. He doesn't shy away from the big moment. He may miss the shot, but he'll take it. And this kid is he comes up clutch. Mm-hmm. In this game, the, the big guys inside – Villanova's outsized in this game, obviously. Dickinson's 7-1. Mm-hmm. You got Villanova. They're two big guys, uh, Eric Dixon and uh, Jermaine Samuels. If they get into foul trouble early, they don't have anybody coming off the bench that can help them. Yeah. Um, but I think this is going to be a good game. And then we move to Texas Tech and Duke. Let's go Red Raiders. See, <laughs> here here's a game, and, and my point was you don't have to have five-star recruits, right? Texas Tech, yeah. four of their five starters in their lineup are transfers, mm-hmm. grad transfers. So they're older. They play a style. They're going to grind you. So Duke better. Duke has all the star power. They got Paulo Banchero and they got Trevor Keels and Mark Williams mm-hmm. and Wendell Moore and you know Roach and we can just right. go on. I mean they're deep and and they're they're ta- They're more mm-hmm. talented than Texas right. Tech, right? Yeah. But Texas Tech's gonna they're gonna test their will. And if Duke bows to that, Texas Tech will defend you. And they're going to cause chaos. That game's going to be sloppy. So if you're a Duke fan, that could be frustrating. I think Texas Tech, and that was one of my, yep. one of my final four mm-hmm. teams left, they defend. They don't have to score. If they can shut Duke down, they got a shot at winning. And the last game on Thursday, we got Houston and Arizona. Arizona is my mm-hmm. other final four team that's still that, left. Yeah, I haven't won it at all. Mm-hmm. Houston scares the hell out of me. Um, they really they're scared. playing very well right now. They really <laughs> scared. They got they are, they got seven guys averaging in double figures, uh, led by uh, Kyler Edwards. He averages eighteen mm-hmm. a game. They're they're guard heavy, um, and they are super athletic. and And they got some size mm-hmm. inside. Some guys we always say size doesn't always equate to talent. They got some guys that can stop Arizona's big guys. 
uh, Christian Coloco. Oh, oh, did he come? Woo! up? Did he come up big the other night? Uh, I mean, that that game. I mean, he took over that game inside, mm-hmm. and then obviously Matherin. You, you've seen the yes. dunk. I mean, that's mm-hmm. probably oh. the best dunk of the tournament. Yep. And then you got uh, Talibus, the other seven mm-hmm. footer um, from Lithuania. I like Arizona in this game, but Houston really scares me. And you move to Friday's games. Now, this is the one everybody's talking about, right? St. Peter's, again, going against Tom's Final Four team, Purdue, right? Uh, St. Peter's, you know, uh, who's the uh, the big guy? Nadefo? N- yeah, Nadefo. Yeah, by far, Nadefo. yeah. yeah. Now, that's the he's only been a game changer. I he mean, has he's been, been a game the difference. changer for St. Pete's. He averages almost three blocks a game. Yeah. But you're talking about – You talk us. about rim protectors, right? Last week when we were talking about March Madness, you made a point – to talk about you need those rim protectors. That's exactly yeah, what he, he is. He erased a lot of points yeah. that should have mm-hmm. been points. He gets in foul trouble. St. Pete's has zero chance because Purdue right. got Zach Eddy. Mm-hmm. He's seven foot four. They got uh, what, seven that? four. Seven four. Yeah, and he got game. We're not right. talking about just about some big schlump right. in the middle of the floor. I mean, a guy averages fourteen and eight a game. And they got the other big guy, Trevion mm-hmm. Williams. He all of a sudden started playing like a King Elijah right. one the other day. I'm like, what the, where the hell did this come from? And then, obviously, they got the player of the year in the, in the Big Ten, uh, Jaden Ivey. Uh, Purdue, I think, is going to pound this team. But I got to bring up Doug Edderton, the uh, guard for St. Peter's. Yep. I don't know if anybody's seen him, but he looks like a, a 70 <laughs> porn star. He got, he's got the, the mustache, mustache the hair. The yeah. um, he's a clutch shooter, and um, he's from uh, – uh, uh, Nick's hometown, Nick, Nick Patty's Nick hometown. Nick Patty's hometown, the, yeah. the quarterback for University mm-hmm. of Pittsburgh. Um Mm-hmm. This kid, but this, this game, Purdue, I think, is going to slaughter this. Team. I think so. But it, yeah. it's a fun the story. Cinderella run is uh, over. A 15 seed. Mm-hmm. You know, Providence is playing Kansas. Kansas, to me, yeah, that, that that's. I think Kansas takes that game. Providence was a four seed. And I was a little down on the Atlantic, uh, the Atlantic Ten this year. This or the, the, I'm sorry, the Big East. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't like Providence. I didn't even like Villanova, but they're both Good, still yep. here. You know, Providence has a shot, but Kansas is just deep. They got the three guards, Abaji, they got Braun, and they got mm-hmm. Wilson, and then they got McCormick inside. Um, and then my game of the week, Friday, the Blue Bloods, right? Mm-hmm. North Carolina and yep. UCLA. I mean, North Carolina lost to it's Fight Club. Fight Club, yeah, we, we, we don't say, we no, no we don't say, say their name. We no, no longer say the, the uh, college basketball team in this town. I don't know how they lost to that team. But this team's – I think Hubert Davis changed that mm-hmm. entire lineup, and he shrunk – I mean, his guys, his right, but, starting yep. five, they're playing almost 40 minutes a game. He, he looks at the bench and he's Coach like, Norman did, no yeah, chance. That's my team. No chance. And then UCLA was in the Final Four last year, mm-hmm. and they got the guys back, uh, Johnny Jujang. Um, they got uh, – who's the other guy? Uh, Yame Haquez, mm-hmm. and then obviously Tiger Campbell, their point guard. Um, that's going to be a fun game to watch. And then the last game of the night is Iowa State and Miami. Nobody knows yep. either of these teams. Iowa State played in a, in a tough mm-hmm. conference with Kansas and TCU and all these teams. Uh, Miami is laden with fifth-year guys. Um, they're starting point guard. Fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth-year guys. So Charlie Moore, is <laughs> he's 25 years old, okay? And he's playing for his fourth college, and he played full seasons in college. Yeah, uh, and that's played, not a mistake, but he, it's, no, it's not 25. A mistake. He played a full season at Cal. Then he, then he transferred and played a full season at Kansas, and he said, well, I'm going to go to DePaul and play <laughs> two years there. And then, oh, they're going to give me a fifth year? I called Laranega. Hey, yeah. you got an opening? He's been he's been the steadying mm-hmm. hand for Miami. And they got uh, Cameron McGusty. That game, Miami, everybody was down on the mm-hmm. ACC. And Miami's Miami. there, Duke's yep. there, North Carolina's there. So I, I tell you, this 
this uh, this weekend, Thursday, Friday, and then we'll be in the Elite Eight on Saturday and Sunday is going to be a, a lot of fun to watch. How about we make some predictions for these games? I mean, we still have our pools of integrity. But well, you guys, I mean, when you get all four right, like I did, yeah. you don't have to re-predict things. No, I, you're I right. I mean, okay, paper, fair enough. So fair enough. If you guys would like to now join in, which I believe <laughs> I had Michigan in this week 16 too, by the way. You did. Did you give me credit for that? Yeah. Okay, I just want to make sure everybody knows that. Listen to this. Uh, if you guys would like to re-predict your picks because you don't have anybody left, that's fine. I'll stick with what I picked last week. Thank you. <laughs> so, Mark, Ar- hey, Arkansas. Fair enough. First, yes. first game Thursday, Arkansas and Gonzaga. Who do you like? Gonzaga. Yeah, I, I think Gonzaga with the guys inside. Yep. And their point guard, Andrew Nebhart, is playing. He's, he's actually start. He, I think he's going to get drafted next yep. year. I mean, he's really playing well. Yeah, I think with him and the experience that Timmy brings. And listen, Holmgren didn't even have a great game. No, he didn't. The last and game, they no. still pulled it yeah. up because Timmy took it. Yeah. And I think that experience – is going to be the make the difference here in, in Gonzaga wins. How about uh, Michigan and Villanova? Eleven and a two seed. Well, similarly, Michigan. A lot of people didn't expect them to be here. Thought they shouldn't be here. I think their run comes to an end. I think Villanova wins. I'm going to take Michigan. I, you know, I, I I was bullish about Michigan not getting in, but mm-hmm. watching them play these first two games, this team is playing where they were preseason ranked. Mm-hmm. They're finally, you know, they, you know, mm-hmm. I think they're playing. Better than Villanova. I think if Villanova, Villanova is three-point heavy. Now, if they're hitting their shots, they're right. going to beat Michigan. If they start missing some of those threes, if they shoot in the mid-30, 30 to 35%, mm-hmm. I think you know Michigan got a chance at winning this game. Texas Tech and Duke. You know how I well, feel. I, I don't even need to feel. break. I mean, I was hoping Duke, Duke would be gone uh, Thursday, but I'm going to say Texas Tech. I'm taking Texas Tech just because I already had them in the final four. So I'm, I'm <laughs> same here. I'm so I'm going to stick to what I had too. Houston and Arizona. Arizona I, I got to go with Arizona. Uh, I'm, I'm going with the Wildcats. That's my okay. favorite team left yep. in the tournament. Yep. Now let's go to Friday's games. We got St. Peter's at Purdue. We talked about Purdue. Uh, it's St. Peter's. What a great story. You love to root for these guys. Tiny school. Their gym looked like our Central, high school yeah. gym. Uh, I, I, but. All good things must come to an end. The Boilermakers. They got they got their three best players are all going to get drafted next year. Mm-hmm. Purdue. Matt Painter got this team playing. Yeah. I, I you know I picked Iowa. Obviously got knocked right, out yeah. in the first round. I picked the wrong Big Ten team. Tom had it right. I'm taking Purdue. Uh, Providence and Kansas. We talked Kansas. I think Kansas. We don't even need to waste time. I think they're Kansas. too talented. Uh, if they play their game, they're going to win. North Carolina and UCLA. UCLA for me. Once again, I'm huge on experience. We talked about it when we with the Penguins. We were been talking there, about it. He's been there, done that. I think that's going to make the difference if UCLA wins. Yeah, I don't think R.J. Davis has another 30-point mm-hmm. game. No way. Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to go UCLA in their experience. And then the last game on Friday, we got Iowa State and Miami. Two teams I love. Uh, you know, just gutting it out in their first two wins. Um, I'm going to go with the ACC connection here just because that's where my heart is. I'm going with Miami. I'm going to go with Iowa State. I, I'm, I, you know, they got a kid, and if you haven't seen him play, Isaiah Brockington. Mm-hmm. Averages almost yes. 20 points a game. Transfer. Yeah, another transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just like Iowa State's guards. I know Miami is very experienced. Some of them mm-hmm. probably have grandkids on that team. Right. But I, I, I'm going to go with Iowa State. And hopefully Fight Club's coach is listening and paying attention. You can turn stuff around in one year. Look at Iowa State, two and twenty-two. Texas Tech just Texas revamped their exactly. entire roster. There, there's no excuses. Is my point. You can turn around a roster. You don't need five years no, of this, basketball. This isn't your your dad's NCAA basketball anymore. Right. You can get it through the transfer portal. Watch any game in the tournament, and that's all you hear. This guy transferred from here. He came from here. He came from here. 
Completely different Listen, game. Kansas has a, their backup point guard, yes. Remy Martin, mm-hmm. came from Arizona State. He played four years there, and he came there, and he's averaging 12 points a game. So it, it can be done. It can be done. There is hope. Maybe I, just, I just want to say, too, I mean, I was watching. I accidentally turned on basketball. <laughs> I think it was – I don't know which game Friday night it was, Friday night, Saturday night. I was watching North Carolina Baylor, and I turned mm-hmm. it on with 10 minutes to go, and North Carolina was up 25. Yeah, yeah. Then I turned it back on like 10 minutes later because uh, Lone Star Law was in a commercial. And uh, it was like four points. And I thought, oh, I guess I was watching the, I guess I was watching highlights of an old game or something like that. I, I, there's no way that they blew a 21-point lead did. within one commercial break. Right. And holy yeah. hell, what a guy. I, what a I, game. I got hooked. All I the games. Then I realized what was going on. I watched the game, and what a game. Yeah. All must-see must TV. I mean, come Thursday night when I – same thing. I mean – my butt goes on the couch. I'm watching every single game I can this weekend because I expect more of the same. This has been incredibly exciting. Tremendous basketball. Tremendous basketball. And as someone who has two sons who play, um, it's just it's awesome to watch. As an open-minded, grown-up adult yes. like I am, I can appreciate something that I don't watch all year. Is that a shot at me? Like basketball. You know, college basketball, it is. It's it's that those four yep. days are fun yep. to sit and watch. I had them on for a little while at the store and just sitting there at the end of the night after a real sport like hockey's over, you can still watch some of those games and things like that. I, I can appreciate it for what it is, unlike some people that I know who are just bad mouths. Well, and, and speaking of the store, we gotta do our shout out. Shout out community beverage. Tommy's a beer distributor uh, located. It, it's on Salzburg, right in, uh, in the Milltown Plaza. Road. Milltown Road, Milltown Road. Milltown Road. Road. Yep, right off of Salzburg, right next to Community Supermarket. Yep. All the summer so, beers are coming in, so that means we're getting warmer. We got uh, Smirnoff Red, White, and Blue in, which is a big summer one, and we got Line and Kugel Summer Shandy in this week. Nice. So if the packages it's say a, summer, I mean, that's I mean, legendary. It's just got to be coming. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, we're getting there. How about uh, how about everything here? Brushes and beans. You know, we had the big Nick Patty, Jake Cradle. Jake Cradle showed up. Surprise guest appearance. Great kid. Awesome. They're both great kids. They we are. had a great time. They talked to everybody, signed every autograph, took every picture, um, talked to them a bit. Uh, we could certainly do a pit spring ball update, given everything we heard from those two guys. That may have to wait till next week as we get closer to, to the spring game. Um, but yeah, great event here. Uh, quiet weekend this weekend, thank God. Uh, no events planned, uh, but still come on out. Make your reservation though for the weekends, please. Uh, otherwise, you can stop in any time during the week, enjoy great coffee, and sit down, relax, paint, paint a piece, paint a gift. Easter's coming up. Do your Easter decorations, whatever, whatever you may need. So, that was basketball. Now, people are saying, what about Steelers? We can't forget about the Steelers and the NFL uh, in general. So, Michael, let's talk about Steelers and the NFL and what's been happening here over the past week and what we expect moving forward. Well, I mean, they got on the other side of the crazy free agent spending. I think we got – I think did we get through all that last week? I think we did. We got, we got through – except they, for Gunnar Olszewski. Yes. Yeah, so I can't – Can't forget I, about Gunnar. I cannot wait till the Section 520 <laughs> on a Monday night game is trying to yell about throw the ball to Trubisky, throw the ball to Olszewski. Oh, my God. What – the injured heads are going to explode trying to get those yes. two names on. But uh, I think you're starting to see that the free agency slow down. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I still think they have some holes that uh, um, I'd like to. I, I think they're going to sign a veteran safety. I agree. I, either it's, I think it's going to be a lot, a lot of chatter about oh, Honey Badger. Yeah, a lot of chatter. I don't stop. think it's going to be him. I, I think it's going to be. That would be. I mean, a lot of the spending that they've done has been very unstealer-like. But signing somebody like him. 
Um, I, I, well, I don't think he fits the defense. I, I just that doesn't make sense to me. Um, I don't know. I think him and Minka could work together. I just, I mean, that's you got it. You're you're gonna pay Minka his Big his break. money this year. And I mean, I don't know. I mean, when you get to this time in the free agency, is there you know Tyrone? I've seen Matthew say that uh, he was down to two teams, Dallas mm-hmm. and Indianapolis, and then I saw Dallas resign their safety. Mm-hmm. So that well, then I heard it was it was the Raiders and Steelers that reached out to him. So right. you know, I don't know. You know, it's all about the money. Mm-hmm. If he wants to come here and play for you know what some of these guys have signed for, maybe he will. But I don't, I don't see them doing that. I think it's going to be Edmonds. As the as the source of safety, yeah, like Mark said, I, I don't know if Matthew. Fits I don't know if because he fits. he's a he's a free safety, mm-hmm. and Mika is a, you're right. a free safety. So somebody got to play strong safety. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Matthew at this point in his career. Well, he's five play. nine. One. I mean, he, listen, great player. He's a ball hawk. He's, yeah, he's a ball. He's hawk. a ball. Hawk. He, he, you know, he's not a yep. thumper. He's a ball hawk. So I don't know if he quite fits. I think it's like you said, Ty. I think it's Edmonds is back or Keanu Neal, um, Jabril Peppers. Somebody who fits better, that's a strong safety that can play that position well and allow Minka to roam and do what he do and what he does best, and then you bring somebody in that can play in the box and, and yeah, know, the, his presence the, felt that the way. Steelers, the Steelers have been with with Troy, and then uh, we, you know Troy always had sort of a Batman and Robin mm-hmm. kind of guy, Ryan Clark, that Ryan yep. Clark, Chris Ho, yep. that uh, that did the dirty work, played mm-hmm. by the line, yep. you know, let. Let the let the star be the star and, and roam right. and make his mm-hmm. plays and I think that's what you're going to see with Minka. That's why I don't think it's going to be the Honey Badger. I, I think it, I almost guarantee I'd love to it's see it, but be, yeah, I think it's going to be Terrell Edmonds, um, and I think the rest of it's going to be addressed by the by the draft. I think they've set themselves up nicely for the draft. Um, they they can really go in a bunch of different ways. Um, I still think where we started this whole thing at defensive line and getting somebody young on the defensive line, I think is still crucial. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think they're in a good spot. And I think one guy they could look at, it's from Pitt, it's not Kenny Pickett. It's Damari Mathis. I think Damari would fit in this defense perfectly. He's a big guy. We saw him run a 4-3-9-40 at the combine. We saw him just hit a 43-and-a-half-inch vertical, which would have been the highest at the combine any position. This kid's an athletic freak. Narduzzi's defense, where they get we, criticized a lot because he puts them on and an that's island. That's what I was just going to say. You know, but, we bash Pitt's right. defensive backs, but at the end of the day, he sends guys to the NFL, and they're not high draft picks, but they stick. So, Your Jordan Whiteheads, Jordan, um, uh, Pinnock, Jason Pinnock Jason last year, Pinnock, starting yeah, yeah. corner for the he, Jets. You know, uh, Demar Hamlin's playing. Damar Hamlin, yeah, Avante yeah. Maddox. Yeah, Avante Maddox. I yeah. was like, I can't believe somebody drafted this guy. Yeah. I mean, I mm-hmm. thought he was terrible, but he does. He puts pressure on his corners yep. to make plays, and I think it's a learning experience for him. Yeah, he would. Fit, he would fit I mean, well. Damari's made a little money. He's gone from pr- probably a day three pick. Now I'm hearing he's in the conversation a day two. He could be a possibly a day two pick. Three or four, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, the way I, the way I think it stacks up right now, I don't think they're going to take a quarterback. I really don't. I think they've aligned themselves mm-hmm. to do this next year. I think that was the plan all along. The draft next year is, is heavier in quarterbacks, and they're going to have some, I think, draft capital to be able to make a move if they want. But I don't think it's going to be quarterback. I do think it's going to be – some combination in the first three rounds of defensive line, cornerback, uh, and wide receiver, unless they sign somebody that would right. tip the scales one way or the other. And the other guy that I think is just a perfect stealer, I always thought he was a perfect stealer, is is Jabar's, uh, Landry from Jarvis, yeah, Jarvis, Jarvis Landry, Landry yeah. from Cleveland. Yeah. We talked about him last week. Yeah, yeah. I still think he's still out there. Um, 
I think he's a good slot guy. I think he's an adult. Mm -hmm. I think he can teach a little professionalism to that room, like I've said before. So if they were going to spend a little bit of money and get a more quote-unquote name outside free agent, I'd much rather see Landry here than than Honey Badger. I agree. Awardedly. Um, I think that's where you spend the money. And I wouldn't be surprised if they sign a wide receiver and still draft one high. Because they they play Mm -hmm. three. Their base set has always been three wide receivers. So you only have two on the roster. So you got to get another one just to continue with that alignment. And then you need some depth, and they don't have any right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. So we, we started to touch on draft a little bit. Michael, we've been doing a, a draft breakdown position by position. This week we're going to take a look at the offensive lineman. Michael, what do you have for us? Yeah, uh, just real quick before yeah. you get into that. You know, when you talk about this, I think the one position that, the, that we talked about for Steelers mm-hmm. that's still in play, especially in the first round, is tackles. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm curious to see what you have. In they the have tackles. no depth. Speaking you know, of they have depth, no depth, they have none. And I don't, I'm not sure that more – or Chooks are written in stone that they have mm-hmm. to be starters. I mean, Chooks' deal is not a big – it's right. a one-year deal. They get out of it very easily. And, yeah. I, you know, I think they, they need a third tackle. So mm-hmm. I'm curious to see if one of them are available. Yeah. The, the, the problem with – when I when I dove into the offensive line this week, you know, you look at the offensive tackles, you know, Evan Neal's going to be gone. Iki Aquano from right. NC, NC State's State, going to yeah. be gone. Charles Cross is going to be gone. Those are the first round. Trevor Penning mm-hmm. keeps moving up boards, and I see him all over the place. Penning from uh, Northern Iowa has a chance to maybe drop the 20. But as far as the offensive lineman where the Steelers are picking at 20, and we know they don't move up in drafts. Rarely. Typically, right. Except for right. Bush, which yeah. we know which how that works out. Yeah. They don't typically move up. So if they want to get one of these four tackles, they're going to probably have to move up, including Penning. But if you're talking about guards, and well, center, obviously, uh, Lyndon Vaughn yeah. from Iowa, he, I mean, this <clears throat> he's the most athletic offensive lineman in this draft. This kid, this kid has a wrestling background. Uh, he has elite quickness off the snap. I mean, when he snaps the ball, he gets on a defender, and then he gets to the next level with ease. Um, I'm seeing him all over the place. I'm seeing right. him in. Well, I think the fact that the the Steelers brass was at the Pitt Pro Day and not at the Iowa Pro Day tells you everything. They don't expect him to be they there. They don't expect he's, him yeah, to be he, there. He's so going to be long if, gone. If, if if it's not Linder, if Linderbaum's there at twenty, that's a no I think it's a no. It was like DeCastro. when DeCastro was there. That card was up to Goodell in like two seconds flat. This kid's going to be 10, 12 years in the league. He's going to make a bunch of Pro Bowls. He's going to be like mm-hmm. a pouncy. So right. I mean, if he's there, you take him. Now the other two guys that have first round grades are Kenyon Green and Zion Johnson from mm-hmm. BC. Kenyon Green, it, we talk about the Steelers run. He's a guard. Um, run blocking for the Steelers was an issue. This kid's a masher. Problem with him is I noticed pass protection's a little shaky, and then he had a I think he had nine offensive mm. holding penalties last year. That's a lot. That's a lot of yep. holding penalties. He needs work obviously on his pass protection. Johnson's super smart guy. I heard he's mm. a, a team captain two years in a row. Um, he gets a little confused on blitzes it seems inside, but he I think he's the best fit of the two of those. But I don't think they're going to go offensive line. I, I think I think Tom hit on something. I'm, I'm, I, these were the guys we talked about. I mean, we're going position by mm-hmm. position. These are the two guys that I think will be there at twenty. I don't know if I'd go for either of these guys if if I had to. You know, I would rather go wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is and a, we'll talk about wide receivers. Yeah, but that's going to be very deep week. class. Yeah, it's a very deep class. But these are the two guys. If you're looking at offensive linemen, it's Kenyon Green and Zion Johnson. The two will be there at twenty. 
And I don't think they need an interior. No, Tommy, they I agree. They don't to. need an yeah, interior that's lineman. That's the nice part about their signings. They right. don't have to. They don't need an interior now, lineman. Penning, the kid from Northern Iowa, yeah. was the one that intrigued me because I watched some of his tape from the senior yeah. bowl. Yeah. He was just tossing them guys, <laughs> right. you know, and hitting them, throwing them to the ground, yeah. and then right. kicking them while they're on the ground. I mean, he looked like the He's kind nasty. of guy. It's just a nasty tackle, but. He doesn't fit the Steeler mold. He's from Northern Iowa. They don't right. draft no. guys from little schools, especially in the first round. They like power five guys that have played a lot of games and that are young. young yep. They're they're young juniors, you know, or young redshirt sophomores. Um, that's the kind of profile that they fit. And it's just like last year when everybody screamed that they took Najee when they, and they should have taken alignment. Well, it's not about necessarily what you need. If that guy is – there's nobody at that position. You know what you get? You get Troy Edwards, yeah. the wide receiver from 20 years ago. They're, they had to have a wide receiver. There wasn't one available. They reached and took a, just a horrible pick. And I'm starting to see that with offensive linemen. And the guys that they signed, they didn't sign 32-year-old guards and centers. They signed young, mm-hmm. mid-20, early-20 guys. So I, I really think that if a tackle was to fall to them in the first round, that they would consider that. But outside of that, I really don't think they're going to reach. Right. Yeah, Tom's right. I, I, I just uh, – Green will probably go in the first round. Johnson will. But the Steelers, after their signings, it doesn't make sense anymore. It doesn't make sense anymore just mm-hmm. to take an extra guard. I mean, if you need a guard, you take them, but they no longer need that. So that's where we're at with the offensive lineman. Next week we'll, we'll dive into the wide receiver. Uh, and prop, then real quick, out. when we talk about the NFL, obviously quarterback, carousel, musical chairs. Is it settled now, do you guys think? Do we still have a few more moves to be made when it comes to quarterbacks? I, For me, I mean, after Matt Ryan got traded in Indianapolis – I think, and Jameis signed with uh, New Orleans. Um, I think everybody's set with their starting quarterback. So this quarterback draft class that's coming out, wherever you get drafted, whether they're taking in the first round or not, I think they're going to sit a year. Well, I mean, we talked about a few weeks ago that you know some of the moving chairs and stuff. We had Indianapolis. We weren't sure what was going to happen there. We speculated that maybe Jimmy uh, Garoppolo would get traded there. Uh, so Matt Falcons, Ryan ends up there. Falcons yep. beat them to the punch. It got Matt Ryan there, and then Atlanta goes out and signs Marcus Mariota to be their starting yep. quarterback to reunite them with the with his uh, offensive coordinator from his days in Tennessee, um, Arthur Smith, who's the head coach there now. So he's like entrenched there. So I mean, really, the only two teams that left that have some uncertainty are Carolina. And Seattle, mm-hmm. and you know Seattle traded for Drew Locke. Are they going to start Drew Locke? Uh, one can't imagine that they will. <laughs> but I mean, you know, and the it, last shooter drop I think though for all this is Baker Mayfield. I, Cleveland has to do something with him. Well, that's the thing, and I and I think you know we talked about this a little bit before we went on air that I think the NFL sitting back just laughing at Cleveland right now, and because you know Cleveland didn't do the league any favors by the contract that they gave to Sean Watson. Forget all the other things. You mm-hmm. sign a guy that's got 22 outstanding civil cases and all that stuff. They guaranteed a guy who's facing suspension a $230 million contract. Every penny, mm-hmm. every single penny is guaranteed for him. And that doesn't do anybody any favors, namely Baltimore, who's going to have to sign Lamar Jackson to a contract mm-hmm. extension. I mean, usually when you see these ridiculous contracts come out, you look at Juju Smith-Schuster came out banging his chest that he got $11 million for Kansas City. Well... When you peel back the curtains a little bit and you take a look, you see that only 2.45 of that is actually guaranteed. And that's what happens with a lot of these NFL contracts. You know, 30, 40, maybe 50% of the total number is guaranteed. Well, Cleveland didn't do anybody any favors guaranteeing that whole mm-hmm. night. Now every quarterback's going to want right. that. So I think the rest of the NFL is just going to wait for Baker Mayfield to get cut and make Cleveland eat that money. 
And then when he gets cut, then what do we do? Right. You know, there are still teams out there. Um, I still think Carolina is going to draft their next quarterback. Um, Seattle, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, I really thought that they were going to be more into the Deshaun Watson thing, but I ultimately, well, I then we have think, to discuss. I don't think Deshaun Watson wanted to go there. So, I mean, Baker Mayfield's looking at either squeezing into Carolina, squeezing into Seattle, or being a backup somewhere. Or, or I think, as Mark's <laughs> going to talk about, <laughs> yeah. the report came out today. Mary Kay Cabot, very well respected writer out of Cleveland, uh, very well respected. This is not some Twitter. Jo- you know, Joker, who likes you know trying to get followers. Or no, she's, she's there. Ed Bouchette, she's right? There, exactly. You know, Mark Bali. I mean, she's, yeah. she's one of their main people. Up there. Yeah, and she heard that if Mayfield gets released, the Steelers are going to pounce right away and, and sign him. Which, if you get twenty twenty Baker, I'm okay with. Last year, obviously, a ton of injuries. People say he's this, he's that. I don't know. I'm not in the locker room. I can't speak for who he is as a person. But if you get twenty twenty Baker, that's not a bad deal. I, I don't know how much of an upgrade that is over you're over Trubisky. Trubisky, I, I I don't I don't really know. Um, Baker, he had the one good year. Yep. And last year was it, but the quarterback position we know is not just physical; it's mental. And he seems to be very very sensitive about mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. and that that plays a lot into the way they play the game. And I I don't know if the Steelers would sign a guy like that. Right. Now listen, if they did, it would be league minimum. So there yep. wouldn't be no risk. No risk involved. It's all reward. So then you create a quarterback controversy or not a controversy, but a, a competition between him and Mitchell Trubisky. Um I don't think it would hurt, but I don't think it puts the Steelers, you know, if you put Baker Mayfield there, how how many quarterbacks in the AFC are still better than the Steelers quarterback? Almost every one of them. Right, I mean, maybe Zach Wilson and right. uh, Davis Mills. Mm-hmm. Other than that, everybody else has a better quarterback than the Steelers, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, the thing with Mayfield is, I, I think what you've seen from the Steelers, uh, it's been it's been fairly well reported at this point that Juju wanted to come back or was mm-hmm. looking to come back, and the Steelers told him, "We just don't want you." Um, and I think the Steelers are making a conscious effort to grow up this mm-hmm. offseason. And, and I think that the stuff with Juju, um, I respect the, respect the things that Juju did when the game was being played. Yeah. Um, but the, a lot of the other stuff, the dancing on the logos, the TikToks, the, the everything with him. And, you know, you got guys like Zach Banner, who I thought talked an awful lot for a guy that never played. Mm-hmm. Um, he had his own radio show, for Christ's sake. I mean, the guy couldn't dress. For, if he did dress, he, he right. got as many snaps as I did this year and had his own talk show about it. About the, about the Steelers. I think the Steelers are trying to grow up. I think they're signing professionals. I think they're signing people that take away some of the some of the side stuff that the Steelers have gotten to be. Um, it's one thing when you're winning Super Bowls and you're doing that stuff to get away with it, but when you haven't won a playoff series in, or playoff game in six years, only three playoff games in the last 11, that stuff ain't so cute anymore. And uh, I think it's turned it off a lot of Steelers fans. And... <laughs> Mayfield brings a lot of that stuff. And unless if you hadn't signed Trubisky and and Mayfield was going to come in and be the clear number one guy, I think I think you might have a conversation. I'm not saying Trubisky's better than Mayfield. I don't nobody knows what that answer would be. I think they're similar and I think that Baker Mayfield coming in here, that would be the story every single night from Latrobe and every mm-hmm. single practice. And then if he didn't win the job, oh, right. uh, the boo-boo face mm-hmm. and all that stuff sitting in the corner. So I, I just don't I, I just don't think that uh, 
it's a big enough upgrade mm-hmm. I, to, to, to bring that kind of hassle into your team and your locker yeah, room. I agree. I agree. And you bring up a good point real quick, and then we'll get to uh, our final thoughts for the week. That is so important, and I don't think the Steelers have had – certainly they've had some good leadership. But I have it on good record that Pitt did not turn the corner until they got rid of two high-profile defensive players that were me, 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 me guys who caused issues in the locker room that were more worried about their personal stats than what happened in the game. If they had three sacks, and that's all the, 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 the only hint I'm going to give, but if they had three sacks and the team lost, they didn't give a shit. And that is toxic. And you're never going to be a championship team with guys like that on the team. It's not until you develop that we, not me mentality that you're going to have success. And that chemistry is so important. That's why when you were talking about the Steelers growing up, I couldn't agree more. They're not going to win until that happens. And I don't consider 9-7 and winning and losing in the first round of the playoffs. That's not a winning team. No, and one thing that I get frustrated with is I hear a lot of stuff to get blamed for Tomlin for some of that stuff. And Tomlin is the main – he's the head coach. Right. And he is the guy that leads the whole organization. But he's not in that locker room. And I've coached – you know, I've coached teams. I've, mm-hmm. I've played on teams. And I've seen it from all sides. The players need – if the players are in, are in charge of that locker room, mm-hmm. they need to take control of their own house. And no matter how great of a leader you have, if you have a clown on the other side of the room doing stuff mm-hmm. and making money off of it or, or getting more of a high profile, younger kids looking up to that are going to gravitate to that stuff. They just are. Mm-hmm. If you got one guy over here on TikTok that's got a million followers doing all this stuff and you got a veteran on the other side of the room like Cam Hayward who's mm-hmm. telling you how it's been around here for 30 years and telling you war stories about the way this thing goes. Which one do you think a twenty-something-year-old is going to do? He's going to follow over to the to the TikToker and all that kind of stuff. You get that crap out of the room, and you have just Steeler players, mm-hmm. just guys that play the game the right way and play it for football and not for followers. It's a hell of a lot easier to lead in that in that mm-hmm. room. And you know, Tomlin when the, when they get onto the field, it's Tomlin's team. But when they're in the locker room, that's the players' room. That's the players' locker room. It always will be. Doesn't matter what the coach is. And I think when you get kids out of that locker room and you mm-hmm. get men in there, adults, mm-hmm. then I think it's going to make a big difference. And I think you're going to see that this year with the Steelers. Fantastic. Okay, final thoughts of the week. Michael, go. Okay. Uh, I said I wasn't going to talk about that team the in fight Oakland, club. the Fight Club team. But, um, I, you know, we, we sit here as old curmudgeons, right, and we're constantly on these younger guys for not finishing what they start, right? I seen a uh, tweet yesterday by John Uly, mm-hmm. who said he's going to come back for his junior year at the University of Pittsburgh. And we continuously bash these kids for, you know, if it gets too tough, I'm just moving on to the next thing. And I, I think he doesn't want his legacy to be known as one of the guys that was on a team that continually lost. He wants to change the culture here. And I got to give him credit for that. And we can even say the thing, mm-hmm. same thing about Nick Patty. Nick Patty mm-hmm. had every chance to leave the University right. of Pittsburgh, right? But he decided to stay with what he started. And now he's going to finally get his chance to prove that he deserves mm-hmm. to be the starter. And so I just want to give a little love to John Ugly for, for, for actually trying to finish what he started here. And, mm-hmm. and he's going to stay with the program. And hopefully it can turn around at some point. Until it does, I'm no longer going to mention that team. But I wanted to mention him specifically because we constantly right. talk about That's these guys right. are always changing teams because it just gets too tough or it's just too hard. So a shout-out to John Uly, uh for his announcement yesterday. 
Well, I'm going to talk about the other team in town that we don't talk about, the Pirates. Uh, and I, I can't even call them Fight Club. I don't even know what they do. I mean, this is a team that the, the opposing pitcher for the Reds jumped in the dugout and fought the whole team and won. So, I mean, I don't, you can't even call them Fight Club. So, But the Pirates, you know, again, I'm just sitting there innocently listening to the radio at mm-hmm. my beer distributor mm-hmm. and just going about my day. And then I had to hear that after his first spring training game, O'Neill Cruz, he hits a ball to, I think it landed in the <laughs> Gulf of Mexico. And I got to hear Derek Shelton say that, yes, O'Neill Cruz is, is, is really good and he's a professional hitter. But we can't bring him to Pittsburgh yet because he has to learn how to play other positions other than shortstop. We, he, we need to get him some minor league time to play, to learn to play the outfield and all this kind of stuff. And I'm not going to talk just about O'Neill Cruz specifically, but I am so sick and freaking tired of the Pittsburgh Pirates that every freaking player that plays on that team has gets, it's like they get a, you know, a card when you get a free, you get six punches, you get a free freaking cup of coffee. Well, when you get traded to the Pirates, you must get a card that has eight freaking positions on it. And you can't be a major leaguer or you can't be part of the team till all eight freaking things are clicked off. Then you can come up and play no matter how good you are. You know, when Barry Bonds came to this town, he was a left fielder. But you know what? When Andy Van Slyke came, he was a center fielder. Tony Pena was a catcher. You know, other guys with talent played one freaking position. Jesus Christ, can you stop making all these players play all nine positions before they come to be a pirate? You know, it's okay to play one freaking position. Mike Trout plays center field. You know, the real players, real baseball players, and I understand that the Pirates don't, for the most part, have they win players. a contest to play for the Pirates. So I understand that part of it. But for Christ's sake, even in slow pitch softball, which I was involved with for a long time, I had 10 guys. They all played one position. One. You don't have to play all eight to cross off your free hoagie. And it's when they play all eight, they should be able to get the pitch. That be, you can pitch tonight's game. That's your ninth punch card. Congratulations. So once again, I hate you, Pirates. I got nothing after that. I got to get to my son's lacrosse game. I'm signing off. I'm not even touching it. For this week, Mark Clemente, Mike Glenn Tom Bradley, we're signing off. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.